I'll be reading from Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. That's page 1002 in the Pew Bible. Hebrews chapter 12, no, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 15, 1002 in the Pew Bible. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said today, if we hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. The passage that Jeff just read, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 15, gives a really sobering warning to Christians. Twice in this passage, it speaks about the hardening of our hearts. You see it in verse 13 and you see it in verse 15. And I'd like for us just for a few minutes tonight to ask the question of ourselves, is it possible, could my heart be hardened? Could your heart be hardened? And just reflect with me for a few moments as we study this particular question. There are a lot of people in Scripture whose hearts were said to be hardened. Just to give you some examples, Pharaoh, back in the land of Egypt, it says a number of times, one example being Exodus 8, verse 32, Pharaoh hardened his heart so that he would not let the people go. Moses came and said, thus says the Lord God of Israel, let my people go. And Pharaoh hardened his heart. I will not do it. No. You think about others in the Old Testament. King Zedekiah, maybe you've not read about him lately. King Zedekiah was the last king of Judah before the tribe of Judah went into captivity. In 2 Chronicles 36 and verse 13, the Bible says this about Zedekiah. As a matter of fact, it doesn't say anything good about Zedekiah. But here's what it says about him in this particular passage. He also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar, Zedekiah did, who had made him swear by God. And Zedekiah stiffened his neck and hardened his heart against turning to the Lord, the God of Israel. You've got Pharaoh, I will not let the people go. You've got Zedekiah, I will not turn to the Lord. I've made up my mind. I've decided, stop talking to me about this. You go on in other passages in the Bible. Some people ask Jesus about divorce and remarriage in Matthew chapter 19. And Jesus referred to the Old Testament Israelites. They asked, the, the Jews did, they asked Jesus, why, why did Moses in Deuteronomy 24, why did he command the Israelites to give a writing, a bill of divorce to their wives? And here's Jesus' response. Jesus says, because of the hardness of your hearts, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And in Matthew 19, verse 9, Jesus goes on and spells out God's conditions for legitimate divorce and remarriage. 
But a hardness of heart was the reason why that Old Testament passage was there, according to Jesus. You think about this. Even the apostles were said to be hard-hearted on occasion. In Mark chapter 6, verses 51 and 52, the scripture says, Jesus got into the boat with them and the wind ceased. This was when Jesus was walking on the water. And they were utterly astounded and they did not understand about the loaves, the Bible says, for or but their hearts were hardened. And so here are the apostles, the 12, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and even their hearts are hardened, according to this particular passage. A refusal to believe in who Jesus was and what Jesus was capable of doing. He had made loaves for the 5,000. They had not understood the lesson of the loaves. Think about this, the Pharisees. Oh, oftentimes, if we thought about people with hard hearts in the Bible, the Pharisees might come to mind. In Mark chapter 3, verse 5, when Jesus was about to heal a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath day, which was a no-no for the Pharisees, the Bible says Jesus got angry. As a matter of fact, it says Jesus looked around at the Pharisees in anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched out his hand, and it was restored miraculously by Jesus. So you've got Pharaoh and Zedekiah, the Old Testament Israelites. You've got the apostles. You've got the Pharisees. And the Bible's saying their hearts are hardened, their hearts are hardened. And then you've got this passage that we just read in Hebrews chapter 3, where the Bible contemplates that Christians may well be hard-hearted. Today, if you will hear his voice... He's appropriating an Old Testament passage out of Psalm 95, and he's applying it to Christians here. And he says, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. It's a warning to us. And maybe you ask the question, okay, that sounds like a really serious condition, hardness of heart. If it's something that Pharaoh and the Pharisees had, I certainly don't want to be guilty of that. If it's something that we're warned about, I certainly want to take that warning seriously, so... What does it mean that somebody is guilty of having a hard heart? What does that mean? Just to kind of describe hardness of heart. It is a condition. It's first brought up, Psalm 95 talks about what happened in Exodus 17. And in Exodus 17, just to give you a little bit of background, the Israelites had left the land of Egypt, they had crossed the Red Sea. God had made the bitter water sweet by Moses putting a tree in the water. And not only that, but the Bible says that God had provided manna for the Israelites. And now when they get to Exodus 17, they're in a place called Rephidim. And the Bible says that there's no water. And the Israelites, as they were characteristically guilty of doing, started to complain. And they went to Moses and they said, where is God? Is he going to be with us or not? Is he going to be, uh, is he going to take care of us or not? Why didn't you just leave us in Egypt if you were going to just lead us into the wilderness to die? And the question they were asking was a question of unbelief. Exodus 17, verse 7. Is the Lord among us or not? 
And when you think about what the Israelites were doing, murmuring and whining and complaining out there in the wilderness, having no faith in God's ability or goodness or protection or provision, if that's what they were doing, what do you learn about hardness of heart? Because that's what Hebrews 3 is referring to, that incident. Notice some things that happened to the Israelites. A neglect of the things that God had said. God had been speaking through Moses. God had spoken directly to the people on occasion. And there was a neglect of God's word and the things that he had said to a point where they were ready to reject anything that God said. Not only that, but there was a lack of appreciation for the blessings of God. This is the God who had opened the Red Sea so that they could cross through on dry land. This is the God who had provided manna for them in the wilderness. And they're saying that God's not going to be able to provide water for them. A failure to appreciate God's blessings often leads to a despising of God's blessings. Then, God himself is indicted. God led us out here into the wilderness and now he just is going to leave us to die to a point where they're on their way to forsaking God. You think about those Israelites in the wilderness, what are they doing? Even God's people, the fact that these are the chosen people that God has led out of Egypt, they're now disregarding who they are and what God has called them to be. And a lot of times that leads to a desertion. And I want you to look, if you would, at the screen behind me and on the right-hand column. You want to know what a hard heart looks like? Somebody who rejects God's word. I will not obey. I will not yield. I will not believe what God has said. Somebody who despises God's blessings. Regardless of how blessed we might be, we fail and will not give credit to God for those blessings. In fact, we grumble and complain about the blessings he does give. What does a hard heart look like? Somebody who has forsaken the Lord. I've got no interest in God or the things of God. I've got no interest in spiritual matters. I've got no interest in a relationship with God. What does a hard heart look like? Someone who deserts the people of God. No love for the saints. No love for the chosen. No love for those of like precious faith. The question we're asking tonight is, could that happen to you? Could that happen to me? What I'd like for us to do is break our lesson down to three parts. We're going to talk first of all about the possibility Secondly, about the process. And third, about the preventives given to us by Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. Notice, first of all, the possibility. And what I'd like for us to do is, as you look at Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 15, you think about its implications. I'd just like for us to think for a moment about when people's hearts are hardened. Because the Bible has a lot to say about that. And I'd just like to suggest two possibilities about when people's hearts are hardened, according to the New Testament. In the first place, some people's hearts are hardened when they hear the gospel. 
And so in Acts chapter 19, Paul goes to the city of Ephesus, and the Bible says that he reasons in the synagogue for quite a while, several weeks. He reasons about the kingdom of God, and he reasons about how Jesus is the Messiah, and he's teaching these people who are Jews, they're not Christians. And the Bible says this in Acts 19 verse 9. It says, some of them were hardened and did not believe. Instead, they spoke evil of the way before the multitude. And so Paul departed from them, withdrew, from the, withdrew with the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. People don't stay neutral for very long. When we talk about the gospel, when we explain what the gospel is and how Jesus has died so that we can have a relationship with God, so that we can be a part of his eternal kingdom, so that we can be members of the church that he died to establish, when we start talking to people about those things, either they will do one of two things. They will hear and submit and obey because they love the one who loved them so much, or they will eventually be hardened. And that's what happens in Acts 19, verse 9. And there have been multitudes over the years who, upon hearing the message of God, have been hardened in their heart. The message does that to people. If we decide that we're not going to obey, we're not going to submit, it has a hardening effect. It's been said, the same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay. Have you heard that before? God's Word is like a sunbeam, an intense light, and some people's hearts, because of what they've chosen to do and what they've chosen to be, their hearts become harder when they hear the message of God. Now, some people are hardened when they hear the gospel. But you look at Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 15, and it's also possible some people's hearts can be hardened after they hear and obey the gospel. Hebrews 3, verse 12 Beware, brethren, talking to Christians here, lest there be in you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. He's talking to Christians about the fact that they can make the choice to harden their hearts and to walk away from God. As a matter of fact, if you know much about the context and background of Hebrews, this was a persecuted church. And one of the lessons I learn as I read Hebrews is when we're going through times of stress and danger and difficulty, there is a real risk that we will allow our hearts to be hardened. Don't say it could never happen to me. Don't be like Peter on the night that Jesus was crucified. Lord, even if everybody else deserts you, I'm not going to do it. The Bible says, therefore, let the one who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12, don't say it could never happen to me. The softest hearts can still be hardened. The hardest hearts once were soft, receptive. When are people's hearts hardened? Sometimes it's when people hear the word of God. I just will not do that. I will not obey. Sometimes it happens after we've heard and obeyed the word of God. Having thought about the possibility, this could happen to a Christian. Let's turn our attention to the process. How does this come about? How does this occur? That somebody could be hardened in their heart. 
I'd like first of all to make note of the fact that the hardening of one's heart can be a gradual process. Beware lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. It needs the right conditions. All right. Imagine, if you will, a pond in the middle of a pasture. Maybe it's a deep pond. A lot of water there. What does it take? What conditions are necessary for that pond to be hardened to the point where you could walk across it? Well, it'd have to get pretty cold, wouldn't it? And not only would it have to to get a lot colder than it gets in Houston, that's for sure. Not only would it have to get pretty cold, it would have to stay cold for an awfully long time, wouldn't it? Although, if it got really cold and just stayed really cold for a short time, it could harden pretty fast. People's hearts are a lot like a pond of water in a field. When the conditions are right and when the conditions are allowed to persist, just like that pond starts to get a layer of ice and then the ice builds and the ice builds and the ice builds so you can walk across it the same thing happens to our hearts when the conditions are right when the temperature drops and stays below a certain point for a long period of time people's hearts can be hardened and that's what the hebrews writer is saying he's saying be careful with what's happening to your heart christians be careful with what's going on in your reception of god's will and god's word and what it means to be a christian make sure that this is not happening to you because this process it can take place in any of us if we're not careful so it's a gradual process all right we want to freeze a pond we got to lower the air temperature You want to harden somebody's heart, what do you got to do? Here are some suggestions, and this is not an exhaustive list, by the way. How do people's hearts get hard? Number one, ingratitude. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. I want you to think about what those Israelites did back in Exodus 17 when they went to Rephidim. And they said, Moses, you just led us out here so that we could die Is the Lord among us or not? If they had been wise, those Israelites would have, listen to me now, they would have connected the past with the present. That's what people of faith do. What God has done for us in the past gives assurance and gives confidence that he's still going to be good in the present and in the future as well. Past performance is indicative of present and future results, especially when you think about the promises of God and the things he said he will do. So when I have an ungrateful, grumbling type of heart, when I'm like those Israelites, and if I do that consistently, I just can't be satisfied. Even if I have the greatest blessings imaginable, well, I can still find something wrong with those. When that's you and that's me, and that persists, it has a hardening effect on our hearts. You know, there's actually a connection between praise and thanksgiving in the Bible. Read the book of Psalms, just with this in mind at some point. Praise of God goes hand in hand with giving thanks to God for who he is and what he is and what he's done. Praise and thanksgiving. 
And when there's very little praise and thanksgiving in my life, it'll harden my heart. Secondly, inactivity. What hardens people's hearts? What causes people to get to a point? And maybe you've known some Christians like this. I certainly have. Christians who once were a picture of zeal and enthusiasm for the things of God, and they get to a point in their lives and their hearts where, Brother John, I'm, I'm just not interested. I'm not coming back. I'm sorry. Tell the, tell the church I'm sorry. I've heard people say those words. How do you get to that point? Inactivity is one way. Open your Bibles, if you would, to James chapter 1, and I want you to look at verse 22. James chapter 1 and verse 22. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. And oftentimes we stop right there. That's a picture of inactivity. I'm listening to the word. I know the answers to the questions. When I, when I fill out my Bible bull, you know, uh, sheet, I, I know what it all says. Okay? That's a good thing. It's a good thing to know what God's word says. It's good to let God's word filter into our minds and the minds of our young people. But it's not just about knowing what it says. It's about being doers of the word. And so we're talking about inactivity here. When I fail to do what I know is right, what I know is God's will, the Bible goes on to say, look at the last two words of James 1.22, deceiving yourselves. You see that? Self-deception. What James is saying is, I can look the part of a Christian, I can look the part of a faithful Christian, whatever people use to measure that. And I could still be deceiving myself about my relationship with God and about what's going on with my heart. And if history is any indication, I've known gospel preachers who could preach astoundingly wonderful sermons... And they were apostate in their heart for an awfully long time, and it usually comes out in very ugly ways. Don't say it can't happen to me, it can't happen to you. Inactivity. James 1.26, same chapter. Brethren, if anyone among you thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, his religion is useless. Deceiving myself. I'm not doing what God tells me to do. Or I'm not dealing with sin in the way that God tells me to deal with sin. Inactivity. It's like lower in the temperature. And that pond will freeze over. How about this? Unresolved anger. Same passage, James 1, verses 19 and 20. Let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath, slow to anger. Why? Because the anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Deal with it, handle it, and handle it in a right and godly way. Because unresolved anger will harden our hearts. The Bible warns parents, fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, 
Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. One of the reasons why we're commanded not to provoke our children to wrath is because wrath and unresolved anger and frustration that we put upon our children in a way that is unholy and unhealthy can harden their hearts because they don't have a way to deal with it. We need to take it seriously. Unresolved anger. How do we lower the temperature so someone's heart could be hardened? Repeatedly violating one's conscience. Romans 14, 23 tells us, whatever is not from faith is sin. And what Paul means in Romans 14, 23 is this. Are you listening? If you think something is sinful and you are, you're just absolutely convicted that what you're about to do is sinful and you go ahead and do it, it's sinful. It's wrong. You're violating your conscience. You're doing something that you believe is wrong. That's what he means in Romans 14, 23 when he says, whatever is not of faith is sin to you. So if I deep down in my heart, I really believe that an action or an activity or, or, a, or a thought, if I think it's wrong and I go ahead and do it anyway, it's sinful. It's violating my conscience. Drug cartels and organized crime and street gangs. You know how they initiate new members? They force their new members to violate their conscience repeatedly and severely. Doing harm to an innocent person. Maybe even killing an innocent person. Why? Why do they force their initiates to do that? Because drug cartels, they understand that hearts can be hardened. And that's what they want. They want people who don't feel. They want people who don't have any remorse or any, any kind of guilt about doing horrible things. When you and I repeatedly do, I know this is wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. I know this is wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to violate my conscience, and I do it over and over and over again. When that happens, it's like dropping the temperature down to zero. Guess what happens to the pond? Guess what happens to our hearts? The process. Procrastination. Paul stood before Felix and reasoned with him about righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come. The Bible says he trembled and said, go away, Paul. When I have a more convenient time, I'll call for you. I'm going to get my act together one of these days. I'm not ready to do it yet. I'm going to obey the gospel one day, not today, though. I know I need to repent. I need to be restored to the Lord, but not now. Procrastination. You do that for long enough. It'll harden your heart. And so the Hebrews writer is talking to us in Hebrews 3, verses 12 through 15, and he's saying, Christians, beware. Watch out. This can happen to you. Open your Bible to Hebrews 3, 12 through 15 once again. And let's talk about preventives. How do I keep the air temperature warm like it is in Houston in July how do I keep it that way so that there's no chance in the world that my heart is going to be frozen over? It's going to be hardened. How do we do that? Hebrews 3, 12 through 15 actually gives us three preventives. 
Very practical things. Three preventives. The first is found in the first word of verse 12. Beware, brethren. Beware. Protect your own heart. He's calling for his brethren to open their eyes and to open their ears and to pay attention to what's going on internally. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Pay attention to what's going on in your heart. In 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5, the Apostle Paul says, examine yourselves whether you are in the faith. There may be some of us sitting in the audience tonight that need to ask the question, and maybe some watching with us on live stream, Master, is it I? Is this happening to me? Are some of the things we're talking about tonight, the ingratitude and the inactivity of my faith and the unresolved anger and, and I'm not handling things in a, in a healthy and a holy way, are these happening to me? Examine your heart is what he's saying. The psalmist prays in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there be any false way in me and lead me in the ways everlasting. We ought to pray prayers like that upon occasion. God, search me and know my heart. Try me. See if there's anything going on in me that needs to change. These behaviors that lower the temperature that cause hearts to become hardened. Second preventive. You still look at the passage, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. Look at verse 13. Exhort one another daily. He's writing to Christians. While it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin, for we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Exhort one another daily. We're supposed to help each other. Okay, let's get into our mental time machine. Let's go back 2,000 years and think about what this means. 2,000 years ago, there were people that looked an awful lot like us that worshipped an awful lot like we do, as a matter of fact, exactly like we do. And the reason I know that's true is because I can read the Bible and see how they worshipped. They assembled. And by the way, when you read Acts chapter 2, they made it a priority in Jerusalem, at least, to assemble on a daily basis. Yes, the first day of the week was important to them. It was special to them. It was significant to them. That was the day when they gave, and that was the day when they ate the Lord's Supper, Acts 20, verse 7. But daily, they were involved in each other's lives. And the Hebrews writer, whoever he is, is telling his Christian brethren, you need that daily contact, face-to-face -face contact. You need that. Okay, they didn't have text messages and they didn't have Facebook 2,000 years ago. Hadn't been around that long. You need that contact and the reason you need that contact is because by virtue of that warmth and that togetherness, that face-to-face -face type of relationship, by virtue of that, it's going to have a softening effect on your heart. 
That's what Hebrews 3, verse 13, is teaching. Exhort one another daily. Oh, and this is an urgent matter. While it is still called today. He's quoting from Psalm 95 again. While it's still called today, make sure that this is a priority with you, Christians. Make sure that these kinds of relationships are part of your life. You know what happens to us when we're isolated? You know what happens to us when we're apart from others for long periods of time? We get really bad advice because the only advice we get when we're by ourselves is us talking to ourselves. That's just the way it is. I've been alone enough, trust me, to know that that's true. When we're by ourselves, we're talking to ourselves, and I'm telling you, you're giving yourself bad advice if you're all alone and nobody else is talking to you. You just are. After a while, that's what happens. We need other people. God built us for relationships. And brothers and sisters and friends, this principle needs to factor into our thinking about questions like, when is it the right time to return to the assembly? It needs to factor into our thinking. It's not the only thing that needs to be considered in the middle of a pandemic, but it does need to be considered. It does need to be appreciated. The hardening of one's heart is ameliorated. It is softened when we're together and we can encourage each other about spiritual things. And we can see what's going on in each other's lives. It needs to be considered. Third, preventives. Examine my heart. Help others. Allow others to help me, secondly. And third, Hold on to Christ and to his word. Hebrews 3.14, hold the beginning of your confidence steadfast to the end. When Daniel and Abby were really small, we did an awful lot of traveling. In fact, we traveled over several continents to move to Africa. And I can remember distinctly being in the airport in Amsterdam. And I had Abby in this arm because she was about one. And Angie had her arms full of suitcases because we were moving across the world and it was a busy airport and there was no room for Daniel in anybody's arms and so what I said to Daniel was this he was about three you hold on to my hand as tight as you can and don't let go because I didn't want to lose him in a foreign country in a foreign airport when the Bible says hold on to your confidence that's what it's saying This is something that's important. The fact that Jesus died for me and the fact that I have salvation in him and the fact that my faith is in him and what he did for me at the cross, I'm holding on to that and I'm not letting that go for anything. Oh, and by the way, you know what goes with that? Faith, hope, and love. Faith in Christ and what he's done for me. Hope because of what God has promised to me and love. And when the Bible speaks about love repeatedly, it's not just love for God. It is love for the saints as well. It is. Read and see if I'm telling you the truth. When the Bible speaks about faith, hope, and love, love has to do with how I feel and how I treat and how I act toward the saints. Hold on to that confidence. Hold on to that hope, firm to the end. Don't let that go in a busy airport because it'd be easy to get lost. How do I keep my heart from becoming hard? The Hebrews writer would say, you got to hold on. And by the way, he would say, you need to listen very carefully to God's word. Do not neglect the things that have been said to you by God, lest we drift away.
Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Preventives. Could your heart be hardened? The Bible says absolutely it could. And it's a lot easier than we think. We need to listen to God's wisdom and let God's word change our minds, change our attitudes, and change our actions. We must do that because we want to be counted among the number who are faithful to Jesus Christ and who have the eternal hope of heaven forever with our God and with his people. If we can help you tonight to obey the gospel by being baptized for the remission of your sins, or if we can help you by praying with you, we'd love the opportunity to do either one of those things. Why don't you make your way forward while together we stand and while we sing.